Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. Um, we got another special guest today, which is Paul Fosh. Welcome, Paul. Thank you very much. Welcome. Uh, no <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it'd be great to have people here. It's nice to see some human beings. Um, yeah, so we invited Paul in, um, and you know he's got a pretty awesome story, um, especially around what he what he's kind of into. He's he's much much like me and Dave in terms of that he likes the craziness of the outdoors. Um, but Paul, uh, we will start off with a big question, really, and uh, about your journey. You tell us a bit more about about yourself. Um, you know what you're into, and I know you obviously take on a lot of events. One which you did last week, and uh, I'm sure we can share some bits on that as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, um, I came to um, kind of running and, and outdoor adventure type stuff um, in my forties, really. Yeah, um, I suppose kind of classic midlife crisis. Um, started running at the age of forty-four, um, and I didn't enjoy trying to run faster and faster. So I thought I'd go further and further. So uh, started off uh, running, and then within a a couple of months ran my first half marathon six months later ran my first marathon and then about a year after that ran my first ultra marathon so uh wow. just enjoyed really kind of pushing myself really and um i think i've always been aware that that time is against me to an extent so um, yeah i've got to try and get as much in as i can before the body starts falling apart yeah. really i love that well some i know when when we first met it was i know it was at one of your events um and and we were talking about the is it the What's the one up in Alaska? Oh, no, one Alaska, isn't it? It was the in, in, it is. in Yukon in, in yeah, um, that's it. In Canada, yeah. What's that so, so there are two cold weather events um, yeah. I, I have participated in, um, and they came on the back really from having done an ultra. And the guy that organised the ultra contacted me and said, "Paul, I think you should you should do our winter race called the sixty six thirty three. Yeah, uh, so called because for, for those that don't know, sixty six degrees thirty three minutes north is the line of the Arctic Circle." So the, awesome. that race, uh, the race of that name takes place starting just outside the Arctic Circle and carries on for 300-odd miles, finishing um, a little um, uh, Native American um, encampment called uh, Tuk Toyaktuk. And you're walking on ice roads and, and stuff. Yeah. Really incredible scenery. And my first reaction was, God, you know, there's no way I could do anything like that. But um, Martin, like the organiser, said to me, Paul, you know, uh, most ultras, you need two things. You need to be fit. And then you need the right headspace. He said, for these races, all you need is the third thing, which is systems. So he said, you're fit enough. You've got the right headspace. I've seen that. Yeah. All you need to do is develop your systems and uh, and you'll, you'll succeed and you'll do the race. Sure enough, um, I, I trained, I planned my systems, worked really hard on a system for everything. So a sleep system, a food system, uh, going to the loo system, you name God, it, there's a system it. for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And and did that and finished in the middle of the field and uh, yeah it was 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 chuffed a bit so having got a taste for that having bought all the gear the the subsequent year so that was in 2015 2016 yeah I then went back to uh, to Canada to a race called the the Montane Yukon Arctic Ultra which again was a similar distance 300 miles um, slightly different scenery all off road yeah um, on and off lakes on and off trails. Uh, again, pulling a pulp with all my gear in it. Um, again, just phenomenal. I mean, I love, I love the scenery out there. I love the whole vastness of the place. Yeah. 
to be walking across a lake. In fact, one time I sat down on my pock bag on uh, on a lake, drinking a cup of tea, looking around me. It was a clear blue sky, probably about minus 20, minus 30. Wicked. And uh, thinking there's nobody living for within three, 400 miles of here, maybe a thousand miles of here. Isn't life just absolutely amazing? I was going to say, that sounds yeah. amazing right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I loved it. It's weird, isn't it? You put yourself in pain, but to enjoy those moments is it's worth every, every yeah. footstep, I bet. Yeah. I love that as well. One of the things I was, when I hear stories like that is I always think though, part of me always thinks like, that, that that's amazing, but <laughs> danger's just around the corner, right? Because, you know, you're talking about the systems and stuff like that. And I've read a lot about these Arctic yeah, expeditions yeah. and... Where when you mentioned like going to the toilet, how horribly wrong things can go, Absolutely. and you hear yeah, these like yeah. insane stories where you can't you can't make a small mistake at minus thirty. <laughs> you know everything has to be like systemized to a point where it, it, it's it's fluid. Otherwise, yeah, your handle end up in the water. And I want to hear more of these systems of going to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the toilet system well, that, that was fairly easy. So. Um, um, Funny enough, I think Richard Parks, when uh, when he made his film, uh, he had problems with his with his uh, wind wind chill on his his frontal groin oh, area. Yeah, of course, um, and that's one of my concerns: is always make sure uh, make sure the meat and two veg stay nice and yeah. warm. Put them back in the well barracks, is it? it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I simple simple wee procedure is is, is making sure actually you're, you're well tucked in afterwards, so the merino yeah. long base layer gets tucked over the top before everything else gets wrapped around it. But uh, so, because any like exposed skin. Are there, like in the wind and stuff like that, will just freeze instantly. It, it will, so. absolutely, yeah, yeah. You have got to be careful. I mean, and anything that's wet, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So it's like, I mean, num- number two is important, you know. For if anybody wants <laughs> yeah. the whole the whole detail, number number two is for me always pre- preceded by a quick number one. So get rid of any fluid, and then uh, find a tree. I use a tree to lean on because your, your legs are always smashed. And it's difficult to squat, and then um, yeah. the system out there is you basically you can leave your solids on the ground cover them with a bit of snow yeah. and then paper gets used gets put into a, like a, a doggy bag whatever you carry with you then I always carry uh, wet wipes in a in a, uh, in a pocket on the back of my trousers so yeah. they don't freeze so you have a quick wipe very very important to stay absolutely as clean as you can yeah they get put into the doggy bag yeah. and uh, and then they get burned as and when you can um, onto a into a bin. But are there any bears or do you time it so they're good point. hibernating? The bears are all hibernating, thankfully. Yeah. Um, the first race, 66-33, there are, there is a potential towards the end to run into a polar bear. Um, but it's unlikely. Yeah. So they can, they can make. Well, they do say they're coming awesome. further inland, don't they? Because <laughs> of, um, yeah. the loss of their, um, ice fields and stuff like that. So they're, they're, what happens yeah. if one wakes up before the alarm? You know, that yeah. happens. There's the <laughs> bears like, I'm well, awake. Oh, as a human being, they'll be hungry, won't they? <laughs> I was yeah, going to say, yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you have a? So, yeah, well, I suppose no bears, no need for a rifle or anything like that. But um, yeah, yeah, they have. Obviously, you've got the checkpoints. They have people with security. Yeah. And stuff. So the the um, the Yukon Arctic culture yeah. um, it takes place on a, a trail, which is actually um, a, ra- a route used for dog sled. A very famous dog sled race called the Yukon Quest. Okay. Um, like another, there, there are various of these uh, races, including the the Iditarod and, and whatever. Many of them um, hail back to kind of turn of the century, where um, medicines had to be taken up to sort of encampments way up north, where yeah. there are outbreaks of um, 
uh, I don't know what the outbreaks were, I want to say typhoid or something like that. Yeah, and they had yeah. to get vaccine up at, at really short breakneck speed. So they had teams of dogs in relays going up and, and these races were then created. So we're lucky enough on the on the Yukon Arctic Ultra to follow a, a route that's marked out by the Canadian Rangers. And it's, it's awesome to watch them because when they cross rivers, I don't know if anybody has ever seen a frozen river, but they don't yeah. stay flat. The river is continually breaking up and moving. And so you get loads of jumble ice. So to allow the dog sleds to cross it, the rangers come along with chainsaws. So they're chainsawing lumps of, of ice to try and make a reasonably yeah. level route. The trails are great because they're just almost pieced by the skidoos going up and down. Yeah, yeah. And the rangers mark out the trail with markers every, every kind of um, 100 metres or so. But uh, you get heavy snowfall, you're still having to uh, potentially snowshoe and you get um, uh, you get um, water coming up through uh, called overflow. And that yeah. can be scary. So even at minus 20, minus 30, the ice will crack sometimes. Water comes up through and you can get wet wet areas. So you need to carry overshoes with you to... Yeah. Uh, it's a bit sketchy the last, then, isn't it? <laughs> the last thing you want is a wet shoe. Um, yeah. It's, it's like an equipment... like. We always say that we love our equipment and stuff, but this would be like almost like my wet dream to kind of like <laughs> get the pulp and like load it out properly and stuff like that. That it, it would just be amazing. Well, you you kind of need it, don't you? And yeah, yeah, we're we're equipment junkies, and we're always talking about it, aren't we on the lives, especially on the podcast. But with what one bit of equipment then you you kind of what's your what's your what's your favourite or not favourite? I, I probably what do you have my to least favourite. Okay, um, my least favourite is my bivy bag. Yeah. So I have. A, a hate hate relationship with bivying out yeah um, which started when I did the 6633 I then bought uh, for the Yukon Arctic Ultra a hooped bivy okay I basically get claustrophobic in a bivy bag so yeah. sleeping yeah. in a bivy bag at minus 20 30 whatever your condensation freezes on the roof of the bivy bag and you move and you get showered in snow yeah. and, and stuff and, and so hate bivy bags <laughs> So I've now gone to a tent. So I'm hoping my new favourite bit of gear will be my new MSR uh, single skin tent. Nice. Which, um, having watched the uh, the guy on the uh, promo video uh, assemble the tent standing on an upside down bucket, <laughs> um, I mean, it really is a clever, very very yeah. clever design. It's got a fixed a fixed hinge um, on the on the cross yeah. uh, rails. And um, it literally pitches in about a minute. That's good, um, isn't it? Jeez, it's like to look at that. Need, really. <laughs> so I'm hoping that will be a much nicer experience than um, than trying to bivy out. Yeah, I, I, I hate bivying yeah. out. I was looking at um, there was a tent called the Terra Nova that I was looking at. It was billed as the lightest tent in the world. Yeah, it's like half a kilo. Like, That's yeah, ideal for for long yeah, journeys but, um, like that because weight but, is everything, isn't it? it? Yeah. It's a traditional pitch, though I think. So like a minute long yeah. pitch, yeah. yeah. So a minute long pitch with the fixed hinges up. See, all of this is on record, be, like be, inside yeah. my brain. So I'm going to be looking. Yeah, at you can being a gear junkie, I, I've got the I've got the um, the turnover. Oh really, yeah, yeah, I've got one that weighs a, a very heavy. I think 900 grams or something. Wow. They, they keep yeah. bringing the weight down with with titanium poles and. Yeah. and yeah, silk guy lines or whatever they use these days yeah, like, yeah. but yeah that's a double skin I imagine yeah yeah. Um, and just yeah, slightly trickier to, to pitch yeah. Yeah. I was looking at it for bike packing it's amazing isn't it on these trips like are you like a, a like a weight freak like so you know cutting half your toothbrush off to save a few grams yeah and stuff. I, I kind of have been but I think I then went back out to Canada a couple of years ago to yeah. do the 430 distance and I think I thought oh, I've got this got this malarkey sussed 
and I mentioned earlier on about you know getting a bit older I'm now thinking okay now I need to sort of draw a bit of a line under these and, and come to um, come to a point where I'm you know, not going to be doing them anymore in the future so this could be my last cold weather race yeah um, so I took my GoPro and about 20 batteries I took my new mirrorless camera so I wanted to catch some lovely oh, photographs of yeah. the um, Northern Lights and some videos and stuff and, and loads of other stuff and just got a bit carried away with how much yeah. I did have and a couple of people lifted my pot before starting oh my god you know that is and it was ridiculously heavy yeah. and that counted against me and then it was the coldest I've ever started it started in minus 40 minus got down to about minus 45 the first night wow. and that's that's seriously cold that's taking mitts off yeah. for two minutes and uh, even with two pairs of other gloves below your hands go numb and take you 10, Oof. 15, 20 minutes to, to warm up how did you get on in, in that event? Was that was that the one you, I, you didn't make it? I quit after the first yeah. evening, first, first night. I just thought, what the frig am I doing? I don't feel comfortable. Don't yeah, really yeah. here. I want to go home. Um, just because mine wasn't right. So yeah. um, I'd got the training right to a large extent, um, but I just got everything else wrong. So. Yeah. You know, I like that, though, because we always talked about climbing mountains and, yeah. you know, there's sort of what we see like an intelligent risk which is informed and calculated and then an unintelligent one which is if you'd have carried on yeah when something in the back of your mind is telling you not this time paul yeah yeah you know yeah. like um live to fight another day yes and um turning around for something like that after all the preparation the travel the, the, all the, the cost you put in, <laughs> yes yeah. it's everything yeah. isn't you know, it it adds it, up doesn't it is amazing particularly with your mindset of you know that you're going to be winding these down so yeah. there's not too many more visits to that part of the world yeah and still have the mindset and the, and the confidence and the guts really to be able to say do you know what I live to fight another day day yeah. today and I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna turn back and head home and plan for the next one well having that strength I mean because I want to you know I know we've talked about gear and, and, and a little bit of the physical stuff but the mental side of it I know is probably a big part of it as well I mean you know what did you learn about yourself mentally on these journeys then I mean I mean it must have been you know, had to push on. I mean, what, what, in, in terms of taking on those types of challenges, yeah. What, what did you, what did you learn from yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I suppose I, um, I've got to acknowledge the fact that I, I have a very strong mental ability to, to, to kind of push yeah. these things. Um, you know, I always laugh if anybody ever calls me an athlete because I, I, I believe absolutely I'm not an athlete. I'm, I tend to be a, a, a slightly overweight, middle aged mucker who just is basically stubborn and just keeps coming and doesn't want to give in and keeps keeps going on yeah um and um you know that that tends to get me through it really um the ability to to go through the pain um and it might sound a bit weird but almost enjoy almost relish yeah, yeah. sometimes because without a degree of pain or discomfort you can't really embrace the 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 pleasure that comes at the end of it and i and i've said it to a few people and i said you know it's all relative but if you don't do much exercise and you decide to walk up Penavan and it really kills you and you hate it, when you walk down again, that beer is going to taste really nice at the end of the evening. Yeah. And that chips or whatever, whatever does it for yeah. you. You've earned it. You've earned it. Absolutely yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And and it just, it scales up, you know. Yeah. And uh, for me, scaling up is is walking 430 miles across the uh, the Arctic. Um and uh, to Dawson City or yeah. a race I, I uh, was in last week, you know, the uh, the uh, Montane Spine Race, um, which again is, you know, 200-odd miles across yeah. the, uh, the Pennine Way. So absolutely enjoy the pain, knowing that it's going to end and, and hopefully end in glory. So which route, because a lot of the listeners now, 
uh, from that neck of the woods. Where does it actually go? So it's all the way through the Pennines? So, yeah, uh, so the, yeah. The, the spine race starts in a village called Edel, yeah. which is very close to Sheffield, and follows a roughly northern route all the way up past kind of Leeds. And so you take in all the Yorkshire Dales, the Pennines, and um, uh, finishes at the Cheviots, and then uh, crosses just into Scotland. Wicked. Um, by... Uh, Kill the forest. So uh, it's a, yeah, an incredible, incredible scenery. Got some amazing memories, some fantastic photographs. Yeah. Um, I got to the last checkpoint. Plenty of time in the bag. Um, I think I had when I got to the checkpoint, about thirty-two hours left to do, just forty-four miles. Um, but I had overworked my right quad. Yeah. Um, and it basically completely gone into spasm. And uh, you're only allowed to spend six hours at a checkpoint. So I had a, an hour eating and sorting out kit, four hours sleeping, and then got up and my, my cord was still not right. The uh, frustrating thing was I knew 24 hours later it was going to be back to normal again, uh, or relatively, yeah. um, and I'd have been able to carry on, but I just overdid it. Um, maybe if I'd had a bit more knowledge about anatomy and sorting myself out, I might have been able to sort it, but I tried various stretches and things, yeah. and I just could not get the, uh, the tension out of it. And it was so bad. You know, people say, well, you make the right choice. There was literally no choice to make. I just Yeah, you were forced you know, into could it. I you... could not walk on yeah. it. could not walk downhill. I was, I was walking backwards downhills to uh, to get to the checkpoint. I know I know. we, we talked before you, you came, we, you know, we recorded, but, you know, what I said to you then is like, I'm sure you'll do it again. You'll feel better that time. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you should take a masseuse with you or something, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, got, I, mean, I, I do some stuff with the personal trainer. And he's absolutely fantastic. So I will yeah. be spending time with him now to go through the scenario. What if this? What if that? Yeah. And so on. And I think potentially, I, I let myself, I was very busy at work. And that, that's the other thing, you know, we, people yeah. like myself, we, we balance our work commitments with, with the fun. Um, and it's really just, you know, sometimes work has to take priority over yeah. training and stuff. And I know I need to do more physical yeah. training. I know I need to do more squat work, as we were saying early on, to yeah. get those uh, quad muscles and, and glutes stronger um, to carry myself over. Also some bracing, you know. I've been learning a lot about bracing. <laughs> with the, like with hinged the knee. braces to kind of like, it, um, like healthy people use them quite a lot. Really? Because if you're on a... Uh, a type of terrain where it is stepped mm. and impactful for not just like one or two hours but tens of hours yeah they put these hinged braces on yeah and they basically just take the it, it's almost like it bypasses the knee okay yeah, so you, yeah. you put your foot down with more confidence and it mm. provides a, a level of resistance so it's yeah. not all in the knee and obviously if it's in the knee it's in the quad yes yeah. so um yeah knee braces and stuff like that i'm a proponent what? Knee braces next time, Paul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love all that blue Kenzo tape stuff. I don't know how it works, but it looks good anyway. Yeah. It does look I've good. used it, it a couple of times. You see someone my hamstrings, like it works yeah. a treat. You okay. see someone that on, and you think, yeah, he's an athlete. Yeah, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You look like an athlete, um, but yeah. you're inside, you know. Yeah. I hope they don't find me out. I'm yeah. <laughs> One thing I was um, curious about with the with the Arctic races: how long do they take, and how long? Are you on your own? So is it a solitary event? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the solitary, which is kind yeah. of surprising really why I buddied up with this guy. I think the navigation had worried me a little bit on the race last week, Yeah, which is why I was very happy to buddy up. As it turned out, the navigation was relatively easy. Handheld GPS makes life generally quite uh, quite easy. But on the cold weather races, no, you absolutely run your own race. Occasionally people will, will buddy up. Um, and you may, you, you often... Uh, bump into people and you walk with them for 
10 minutes, half an hour, an hour, and they'll maybe crash out or have a break and you'll carry on and, and, and vice versa. Um, but it's a solitary aspect of those cold weather races that I absolutely yeah. Really love. Yeah. They, they do tend to have people checking on you. So you're, you're always GPS tracked. Um, oh, I know, I was following you last week. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I've watched, whenever I watch people, I always think how, how slow it looks dot watching. I always feel sorry for people dot watching me. But, uh, uh, I did see you were at a pub or something. I was like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, if it was the pub I was thinking, I was very disappointed that we got there. And uh, yeah. it was nine o'clock, and a lot of the pubs are very supportive of the spine races. And they were serving, um, they were serving breakfast to, to guests. I said, oh, um, and he said, food, mate. He said, no, we don't do food till three o'clock. I said, well, you're doing breakfast. He'd ask for guests. I said, can I have a breakfast? He said, no, you're not a guest. <laughs> what? Like, Come on, mate. Please. Oh, I no. I have no idea what I've just been through to yeah, get here. Like, yeah. Like, you want to send him an email? So like, I, I was thinking of staying yeah. with you, but now, so, uh, for so a I, breakfast. I doing a coffee and a Coke. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. take him through the psychology, mate. Imagine how many miles I've done. <laughs> I see your pub in the distance. Yeah. It's a beacon of hope. Yeah. <laughs> and then I meet you. <laughs> you know, it's what like, I've since heard about this guy afterwards, I think uh, there was sadly no surprise. He, he wouldn't be turning for anything, sadly. Oh, right. oh. <laughs> um, no. just talking about, I mean, collectively, all all these all these different journeys. Any any scary moments you've had, or what would you say is your scariest moment? I think one of the scariest was was um, I bivied out. I was absolutely shattered. Yeah, it's on the first race of the sixty six thirty three. Um, and I was walking and walking and I was trying to find somewhere to, to bivy. The part of the race we were on was on what they call the Dempster Highway. So it's basically, if you imagine like a forestry commission kind of road. Yeah. Um, wider than that, but essentially gravel, uh, frozen, um, with this light going and snow on it. But lorries do go up and down potentially serving the communities up north. So you've got to really camp just off the, uh, off the road. And I could not find anywhere. I eventually found somewhere to camp. It was actually, a campsite, which summer campsite, but um, clearly snowplows have been down there. They've flattened a bit of an area down there. So I went yeah. down in there and, and camped down there. So camping on lower ground, A, was not a sensible idea because, as we know, cold drops down to them. Mm. So it's lower down there again. Um, but got into my baby bag, went to sleep. Uh, woke up then uh, shivering. Again, not uncommon. Uncontrollably yeah. shivering. Okay, I'd had a few hours kip. Now needed to get going. Grabbed my balaclava, frozen solid. So oh, frozen shit. solid, could not be opened up to put over my head. Wow. Um, I, I carry um, a camelback um, because you carry it at such temperatures, you've got to carry it next to your base layer. Yeah. So you've got to quickly strip off your mid layers, put your camelback on, put your mid layers back on, put my over my top layer back on. I was virtually ready to go, put my down coat back on. Uh, still shivering uncontrollably, but yeah, you know, get going, I'll be okay. Yeah. Couldn't zip up my down coat. My hands wouldn't work. It's pitch black on my own. Couldn't find a balaclava. At that point, a mild panic sets in. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, I just got to get going. Just got to get going. I probably would have been okay. Yeah. But I had no face covering, which is a bit scary at those sort of temperatures. Just a just a, a, a woolly hat covering my ears. Um, and thankfully, I heard clip clop clip clop. And I had a couple of a couple of guys near me, a couple of Irish guys, Gavin and uh, and Johnny. So Johnny, is that you? Nothing. Gavin, Gavin, is that you? <gasps> Paul, he said, God, am I PCU? I said, God, am I PCU? So <laughs> big hug, 
I said, oh, have you got, nice. have you got a balaclava? So he gave me balaclava and he ah, said, brilliant. he said, I've been, I've been just, he said, I've been struggling and I think he was having crazy hallucinations and, uh, was really in need of some company. So he and I buddied up and, yeah. uh, he lent me a balaclava and we buddied up. He did my coat up for me as well. And about an hour later or so, I started to, uh, to defreeze and, and then become relatively warm and, uh, yeah, life became normal again. But yeah, that was probably the, the scariest moment I... Uh, Need your mates uh, sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> yeah, you do, yeah. Like I mean, on a trek, you know. It sounded like Gavin, uh, you might have saved him as well, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He might have seen some siren beckoning him off the road, you know. Jeez, yeah, imagine <laughs> that. that. Was, it's funny, actually. I mean, that was his first ever race, and he's gone on to some, some absolutely crazy things. He then, the following year, rode across the Atlantic solo. Really? Uh, awesome. Walked, walked the, lake, uh, the length of Lake Baikal solo. Yeah. In Russia, so uh, yeah, he's done some 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 bonkers stuff. So uh, one one of the things uh, I think me I think we were talking about it when we met a few months back was um, it might have been us, but it might not have been the straightness of the roads mm. and how that's yeah that plays with your mind. Side yeah. Yeah. Really messes your head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I should have asked actually before we started this whether I can swear or not. But yeah, um, oh, it's fine. It's um, people listen well, to I mean, it. The expression <laughs> I use, it is a, a real head fuck, basically. I yeah. mean, you, you, there, there are two again for that same race that, that messed with my head. One was um, because the remote is up there. Mm. It, it's not. It, it's it's larger remote, but you do have things like so. There's a a transmission aerial, yeah. um, and because of the, the vastness, these yeah. things are hundreds of feet tall. So this one night, walking in the dark, and you can see a beacon. So it's got a light on the top of it. Stop planes okay. or helicopters crashing into it. And when you walk into a beacon for literally hour after hour after hour after hour after hour, it was so bad in the end. I, I, I was with a guy at that point and uh, he had decided, decided because it was just messing our heads up. So we, we, we crashed out, we bivvied out till, till, um, daylight. So that was one. But then later on, we came across, uh, yeah, straight road because the Dempster Highway is a man-made road to get from, from south to north. Yeah. Parts of it are just straight. Uh, albeit undulating so all you can see is a few undulations ahead of you which might be a couple of kilometers ahead and you get to the furthest point you can see and then you look down and all you can see again is a few more undulations and um and that when you're doing that for about 20 30 kilometers it really does mess you yeah head. yeah i can you imagine think of my purgatory you and, know yeah, like yeah. this is exactly. purgatory yeah yeah destined for an eternity to walk on yeah. this street road yeah. towards a beacon that's never going to get any yeah. closer yeah it must drive you nuts. It absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, towards the end of the race on the ice road, again, nighttime, um, because there are no uh, areas where you can have a checkpoint, the checkpoint is a car or cars. They park two or three cars there because it's a cold. The cars have the engines running with the headlights on. Yeah. So I met people drive past occasionally, checkpoint staff or the, the um, uh, support staff will just check on you sort of normally once a day towards the end. And they said, well, next checkpoint is how far away, car, you'll, you'll see the headlights in due course. Nighttime came, headlights brilliant. And again, two, three, four, five, six hours before you get to these headlights. Um, it is absolutely crazy. <laughs> That's mad. Uh, that is the, I love that because yeah. we always say like any... I want to give this a go now. Yeah. <laughs> any sort, it wouldn't bother you though. I know it I, wouldn't. <laughs> this is the type of thing, it, it drives me mad. Yeah. You know, did, like We did the Glencoe Challenge a few years back, which is just 26 miles around Glencoe. Yeah. But I started to figure out because I had GPS on my watch that the mile markers weren't accurate. <laughs> you were getting yeah. a bit like... And there's a picture of me on mile marker says one yeah. mile to go and I'm just sticking my finger <laughs> on that. <laughs> I'm just like... And, uh, the reason that should have been a relatively easy race, but I decided to wear these mate and earring boots in. <laughs> right. You know, the amount of times I've given people advice, you know, like 
wear, you know, comfy kit, mm. work out all these kinks before the event. If the shoes yeah. aren't comfortable, don't bring them. Well, I didn't. You should yeah. listen to your own advice, Dave. Yeah, I know, but I thought I'd be all right. <laughs> and then I'd put them on and then my feet, just talking about just the pounding they took because the boots were so mm. stiff and so yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah, Well, they're for crampons, aren't they, essentially? Yeah. But I wanted to wear them in. And so when I took them, on a, it's just stupid anyway, but just, my feet were so battered by the end of it that every step was like hurting the, the soles of my feet. So these mile markers became a bit of a challenge. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm on mile marker five. Let's get to four. Right, I got four miles left, yeah. and then I was, and then I walked about a mile and a half, and I'm like, they haven't put a mile marker there. <laughs> and then when I saw it in the distance, I was like, yeah. they're taking the mick out of me. It's a bit long. That last one, that one mile yeah. left, Andy's got a picture of me just sticking my finger up at the mile marker. Uh, so I know, given that little tiny test, yeah. that I'd bring a rifle and shoot the light off the beacon yeah. because <laughs> you know because yeah. that would just drive me nuts. Now maybe one day. Yeah, we'll see. It's certainly Good, yeah. what you said then about like putting yourself into these situations. Yeah, that's I know that's a pe- definitely appealing to me. Yeah, certainly, I mean, and you as well. I know you, you enjoy. I would love it, but yeah. I know you. You know, I would love it. I'm just a little more. Um, I think I wear my emotions on my sleeve perhaps a little bit more than Andy, who's far <laughs> yeah. more controlled and relaxed. Where if I can't open a Mars bar, is you know it's going to get don't panic. <laughs> No, but we'll um, see, but we'll that's see. why it's good. It's like yin and yang. So whenever we go on trips together, we do kind of support each other in different ways. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, when you got shingles, we we went to every space camp once, and okay. uh, you didn't. You had shingles on the way up, and I thought it's freaking nuts. Well, I had shingles yeah. before I went, but I thought I'd be okay, <laughs> right? Because I thought I was on the back end of it. I didn't realize shingles can last like five weeks. Okay, and. Um, yeah, it just got worse. <laughs> it got worse. They don't have shingles. As soon as I went to altitude and started climbing and, and walking and walking and walking, <clears throat> you tend to stop recovering from things like cuts and injuries and things because your body's acclimatizing and there is some science behind it, but yeah. cuts yeah. just take longer to heal. Right, yeah. Shingles will take ages to heal. And the rucksack rubbing against the shingle, it was maddening. The pain was really yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, though, I didn't ever feel like quitting. It just became something that I had to deal with. Yeah. And now looking back, I feel like that was a good test. Yeah. You know, if you put yourself through that, because yeah. my life's pretty comfortable yeah. most of the time, as I'm sure all of ours is. Yeah. So if you were to, you know, reach 80 and you look back and your life had been incredibly comfortable the whole way, is that a life truly lived? So yeah. Yeah, that's true. the fact that you said, you know, you were 44 when you started running, and then you thought to yourself, okay, what can I do next? What's yeah, next? Yeah. What's next? And then you find yourself in the Arctic, staring yeah. at a beacon, <laughs> yeah. swearing and going maddening, and where's my balaclava? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Good job it wasn't a bear. It's fascinating because yeah. I do think that people, and perhaps you know, the Evertrekkers listening to this as well, will take inspiration from that because many of us, including yeah. like me, were sat at home one day wishing that I was the type of person that would go on these adventures. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, and I think knowing that, you know, someone like yourself who you know you have a day job and a family at home and you're relatively comfortable and you don't have to do these things mm. if you don't want to but yeah life would be boring yeah. then you've got to do these things Paul haven't you yeah <laughs> I think, I think though, whatever whatever you choose to do I mean yeah. I think people are increasingly doing them aren't they I mean yeah. we, we had a drunken discussion at an office Christmas party Christmas before last and everybody signed a, a napkin which said I hereby agree to the challenge you know they didn't know what they'd agreed to and now as a, an office group, we're doing the Welsh Three Peaks next Wicked. month. So that's people that have never really gone up a mountain yeah. or whatever. So that's amazing. And people do things like, you know, Tough Mudders, won't they? Or yeah. do expeditions with you. And I think, you know, we all, 
increasingly like to be pushed beyond our comfort yeah. zone. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of coaching now around the fact that we really only grow as humans once we're pushed beyond our comfort zone. And yeah. If you stay within your yeah your very comfortable place that that we exist, you you never really thrive or whatever. Yeah, so you, yeah. You go to, once you start pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone, you find you have a new comfort zone. And then uh, and people think you're next. next one. <laughs> yeah. So this is the question then: When the Arctic stuff is um, okay, draw a line under that. What is next? Yeah, it's tricky, really. I I, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I'm I'm thinking. I've always enjoyed photography, so it might just be yeah. walking steadily, gently up into the hills without the need to race, without a timer ticking away, yeah. without somebody chasing me from behind, and just. <laughs> Sitting on a mountain watching the sunrise and taking some nice photographs. Or and that sounds good. Yeah. That sounds good to yeah. me. Do you know what, though? I predict that you will do that for a bit. Oh. <laughs> and then you'll be like, and, yeah. and, then the, still warm. and then the three months yeah. or something yeah. will kick in and you'll find yourself yeah. back in the Arctic in a baby thinking, why? Yeah. <laughs> why didn't I just stay in the mountains at home? The other thing I enjoy actually is just helping other sides. There's always looking for volunteers and yeah. whatever. So. There's always that side as well, just to... Maybe we'll get you on a trip. Keep a hand in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, yeah, just, I mean, we're, we're coming towards the end of the um, uh, the interview now, but with the Evertrekkers, I mean, you know, very diverse bunch, what advice would you kind of give them to taking on these big challenges? You know, go, you said going outside their comfort zone there. What, what advice would you give them, would you say? I think anybody looking to do something, we are all far more capable of of we're capable of doing a lot more than we ever thought we could yeah i've been amazed and it's been in stages you don't do it sort of in one go step by step i've done more and more and you know uh walking 50 miles a day every day in the arctic is something that i didn't think i'd ever be able to do yeah sleeping out on my own in sort of minus 30 degrees and and mostly not always but mostly (laughs) doing it sometimes failing i think it's good to fail um, as long as you learn lessons from that failure and come back stronger. Yeah. Um, but absolutely embrace it. If you're thinking of doing something, don't don't hesitate. Sign up for it, do it, start planning, start preparing, and and absolutely just, just live the dream because one day you won't be able to. So do it now. Nice. Love it, mate. Love it. Oh, Dave, any, any final words? No, I love that. I always I, give him the final word on our podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> honestly, no, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to... Um, detract from what Paul just said I think that's perfect yeah well, you che- win or you learn well cheers Paul right. it's been lovely having you with us mate no, it's been uh, to see you guys Let yeah nice to uh, see some people isn't it it's, yeah uh, really. we're saying this to everyone but it is we've been locked up for so long yeah it's like um, oh my god it's human beings again yeah give us a year and we'll be thinking oh, another lockdown god, we'll be like- <laughs> <laughs> back to the Arctic <laughs> cheers Paul thanks cheers, a lot mate yeah thanks Paul so Dave yeah that was, that was good wasn't it good laugh yeah that was awesome yeah it's fun to spend time with that guy yeah and um, yeah some really really cool stories there I think you know like I don't think I'll ever walk towards the light quite so uh, readily. It reminded me of Poltergeist, you know, stay away from the light when he was talking about the uh, that ever yeah was it that never ending road yeah <laughs> I like, don't know why it just reminded me. Of I, that. I know what I'm gonna if I ever do one of these things I'm gonna get like a high powered rifle and I'm gonna take out that light from a distance. <laughs> um, but no, that was amazing. And some of the stuff yeah. he talked about there, particularly you know about knowing when to duck out. You know, he just did the spine race yeah, yeah. and was ended up walking backwards and stuff to look after his legs. Yeah. Um, it's crazy, isn't it? You know, and and then with the stuff that he has done as yeah. well, yeah, amazing. I think yeah, there's a lot of lessons from that. Yeah, you know, knowing when to stop, like you said, then is is a big one. I think we 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 all let our 
um, pride and ego sometimes gets in the way yeah. uh, of, of, of sometimes you've got to realize, okay, right, this, it's my time to stop. And that's okay. Yeah. Because there is always a next time. You don't want to overdo it and injure yourself, which could, you know, hamper the next thing you've got planned. Yeah. Or for months down the line, you know, recovering from that. Um, but yeah, great. I thought that was really good. You know, one of the reasons he, he kind of does these challenges, one, I think is to, um, you know, he admitted on the podcast there, he's, he's getting to, Slightly older generation, yeah. but he wants to keep going, doesn't want to stop, but also raises money for charity, which is, is pretty inspiring as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed that. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that today. Dave, any sort of final comments before we, we finish up today? Um, yeah, I think, you know, just taking from, mm. I suppose, what Paul Fosh said there was about, you know, it doesn't, things don't have to change as you get older. You just have to choose better challenges. He said <laughs> like, that he yeah. started out running and then he yeah. realized that he wasn't breaking any records. So we'll see how far he can go. Yeah. And that pushed him into things like ultra marathons and stuff like that. And honestly, you know, and I don't, I think I mean this with all the complimentary tones that I can. Paul is, is just your regular guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's yeah. like, he's not a super athlete. Yeah. He's a guy that had some sort of big ideas about stuff that he wanted to achieve and he went out and he learned how to do it yeah. and he succeeded. And I think if anyone can take anything from Paul Fosh, and I think they will, it'll be that, yeah, if you're sitting there thinking, am I the type of person that could do an Arctic yeah. Ultra? You are. Yeah, exactly. Anyone can do it. It's, it, it does. What was it we said on there that, that ordinary people can do extraordinary things? Yeah. And I think, especially on trips like, um, you know, when it comes to Everest Base Camp, Kilimanjaro, even uh, Machu Picchu, Island Peak, whatever peak you're looking at, whatever trip you're looking at, don't think you have to be He-Man or Superwoman. You, you know, it, if you want to do that challenge, you can do that challenge. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, and if you want us to be part of that journey, obviously we'd love to hear from you. We will drop um, contact details and everything in the show notes. As well as that, you'll have the um, uh, one of the Everest Base Camp, base camp Guides, uh, which is bit.ly forward slash Everest BC Guide. Give it a download. You have a full walkthrough of the Everest Base Camp trip as well as the little videos. Um, and I hope that um, that kind of helps you out. Uh, if you've enjoyed it today, uh, we'd love to, to see a little review from you, especially if you're on iTunes. It means that we can reach more people. Um, you know, so definitely give us a review. If you've enjoyed today's episode uh, with Paul, uh, any of our episodes, that would be really handy. And something else as well, if you think any of your mates and, and friends or family would like to listen to this or might find some value or entertainment in this, you know, give us a tag on, on old Instagram uh, at Evertrek UK. Um, yeah, if you've got any friends that uh, you think would find it interesting, yeah, give it a little share. Yeah. But nice one, Dave. That was great. Um, yeah. yeah. Looking forward to our next one. Yeah, exactly. I think we've got um, Dave Shanks Dave next, Shanks. I think. Yeah, so to re- go. yeah, really looking forward yeah. to that interview. Um, again, it's going to be a slightly different flavour. Yeah, there's two sides to the uh, the world that we uh, we, uh, we we sort of live in, and one of them yeah. is the adventures, and the other is the stuff that we can do along the way that makes a difference. And exactly. Dave Shanks is going to be a big uh, big part of that. Yeah, great stuff. Nice one, Dave. All right, guys, we'll see you on the next episode. See you later. <laughs>